Hey, I'm Cameron. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. It's good to be with you all this morning. If you would, be turning in your copies of God's Word to Romans chapter 15. We'll be in verses 14 through 21 this morning. And as you're turning there, let me give you the key truth that I would like for us all to walk away with. God calls us to be full of goodness and filled with knowledge to be able to instruct one another in living out the gospel. Let me say that again. God calls us to be full of goodness and filled with knowledge to be able to instruct one another in living out the gospel. If you would give your attention to the reading of God's word, this is Romans 15, 14 through 21. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never heard will understand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we step into this, let's remember that last week uh, was essentially the, the closing of the theological arguments from Paul. He was wrapping up or bringing back around the fact that he is not ashamed of the gospel. That, that what was to be accomplished had been accomplished, and now this is his personal postscript uh, to, to people he loved. And there's still much that we can glean from this postscript uh, and that we can be encouraged by. And so over the next few weeks, we'll get to hear Paul's heart for a church that he never actually got to visit but knew many of the people who were there. And so this first portion, uh, he starts off with encouragement. In fact, he's circling back around to something he said in Romans 1, 8 and following. If you remember, it's been a long time ago, almost two years ago, uh, he made it very clear that he was encouraged by them and that he prayed for them as often as he thought of them because he was hearing reports of how their faith was having an impact on their context. He circles back around to that here and gets a little bit more specific, right? Uh, but before we step into what it is that he's being specific about and some things following, uh, let me ask you this. Who has recently encouraged you personally in your faith in Jesus Christ? If a name comes to your mind, I want to encourage you to do something. Share it with the, that person. Share it with whomever it may be that has recently been an encouragement to you in your faith in Jesus Christ, right? This, faith in Christ is not an individualistic thing. That is, that is a, an American or Western construct that we've come up with, this Jesus and me type uh, notion that you can, without the body of Christ, you can, without the goodness of the people of Christ, that you can, without the instruction of others in Christ who have differing gifts and differing abilities and differing experiences and perspectives, that you can 
grow without all that. That is, that is a complete fallacy. Can't happen. Uh, and you may say, well, but you are, are all the poor for not engaging in it, right? And so this is why it was important that we, we prayed for our small group ministry here. That's, a, uh, that's not the only way you can do that, but community is critical, critical to your formation in the image of Christ because you yourself, and I'll say this again, you don't have all of the gifts, abilities, and experience necessary to grow as full as you can by not being exposed to these other things, right? So each of us has a particular bent, particular ways in which we think. We could think of this along a number of continuum, but just think of the one grace and justice. So which is it that's more important to God, grace or justice? Neither. Both. Actually, you can't see it as they're individuals. They're both halves of the same coin. God, who is just, is also gracious. And he's gracious in his justice, and he's just in his grace. But how many of us lean toward grace? Well, at least for ourselves. And how many of us lean toward justice? Well, at least for other people. And so we need these, these banks of the river. We need these ways in which the, the differing aspects of God are displayed. We see this from the beginning. It is, it is baked into uh, the entirety of who we are, right? What did, what did God say of Adam when he had the fullness of creation before him? He had named all the animals. What did he say? It was the one moment in creation before sin enters the garden or enters Adam and Eve that he says... It ain't good. And what was it that was not good? Well, that Adam was alone. And then you have the first R&B song written in the history of the world where he says, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And the Hebrews, uh, many uh, will argue, especially at weddings, that the reason that, 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 that Eve was purported to come from Adam's rib is because part of her uh, calling was to protect his heart. That's a beautiful picture, even if it ain't all the way the reason. And so it's important that we recognize that there was no way for Adam by himself to display the fullness of the glory of God. And this is why Paul actually refers to uh, married folk as co-heirs. Ephesians 5 is an interesting passage about marriage that oftentimes we place all the emphasis on the beginning of the discussion of marriage and very little on really where it lands, right? How often do you hear like, all right, wives, Y'all are first, you got to submit. There's mutual submission before that, by the way. And then there's this stuff about, you know, husbands, you love your wife as Christ loves the church, good luck. And we stop there. And we don't keep going to the actual purpose of marriage in the first place, which is to do what? What's it to display? The mystery of the gospel. You remember? It says that this, and fuse them or wed them to Jews. As one people, the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant, which Paul calls the gospel. That's very important to our understanding of what he's saying here and why he's saying it. But it's also very important to us that we recognize that you can't do this alone. This isn't just about marriage. This is the beauty of community, right? This is the beauty of the broader community to serve as family to those who aren't currently married or may, called, may be called to never be married. They're not left without family. They're not left without the opportunity to participate in the display of the mystery of the gospel. And so the real question of any marriage is not, hey, is Susan submitting properly to Cameron? 
It's not, that was a rhetorical question. Nobody answered. Because <laughs> she's not here to defend herself one way or the other. That's not the question. It's not the question of, am I displaying Christ to Susan? In fact, that would be to stop far too short of Paul's intended purpose. And you may be wondering, I didn't think we were going to do Ephesians 5 this morning. I thought we were in Romans 15. I'm going to get there. But the, but the point is, the real question to ask of our marriages and, and really of our lives is, is, does my life display the glory and beauty of the gospel as promised in the Abrahamic covenant? And what would that require? Well, you would need to be surrounded by some folks that maybe don't look like you, don't sound like you, don't have your experiences. It means you have to be in community. The real question of marriage is, does it glorify God by virtue of who it draws hospitably into its sacred canopy? Not just the two. And so what Paul is saying here, he's turning to a community of people who've been wed together, coming out of Pentecost, the fruit of Pentecost, right? These Gentiles and these Jews who, who so beautifully display the mystery and the beauty and the glory of the gospel. That is so precious and so important that he has fought hard to get them to understand the value of unity and how you can't play with that. That's not something that you can treat casually. That is essentially to act in an adulterous fashion, to chase lovers less wild. And so notice what he says here. He's he's given them a lot to think about. But here he comes close to them and he says, listen, I myself, I'm satisfied about you. Do you know how important that would be to hear from an apostle who who was part and parcel of the, the, the beginnings of the church? To hear that kind of encouragement from someone with that kind of authority is insanely meaningful. And notice what he picks to say. He says, I I am satisfied that you yourselves are full of goodness. Well, what's goodness? Well, goodness is characteristics of God. That is true goodness. And then he goes on to say, you're also filled with knowledge, but knowledge for a purpose. Because remember, he warns us. There's There's a way in which you can have knowledge that does what to you? What puffs you up. It puffs you up in such a way that you become arrogant. You think that because you know some things, you're better than your brother or sister who doesn't know what you know. He's already struck the ax to the root of this tree in the strong, weak argument, right? It's not that we are to to pwn people with our arguments. It's not that we are to destroy people with the things we know. No, what are we supposed to do with our knowledge? Give it away. We are to use it to edify and encourage and build others up in the gospel. This is what it means to be able to instruct. Notice this. He doesn't create a class of priests. He doesn't create a class of teachers in this case. He says that you're able to instruct each other. You're able to instruct each other. This means that we have a banquet of riches. Are we making use of the banquet of riches that is ever before us when, when we are part of a local church. Now, I want to take some time, because I've been here for coming up on nine years, uh, to actually encourage you. Now, I won't, I won't mention many of you by name because I don't want to embarrass you or make other people feel like they're not doing certain things, but uh, you'll know who you are more than likely. But 
there has been some real display of goodness in the last few months uh, that is worthy of note. Now, some of you have loved Matt and Kate O'Sullivan. They're not here, so I can say their names. They'll hear it later. Y'all have loved them phenomenally well. You have displayed a goodness to that family uh, that has just been astonishing in terms of generosity, in terms of just mindfulness, in terms of thoughtfulness, in terms of hospitality. You've done the same for Robbie, which is just beautiful to see, uh, that Robbie has been considered as, hey, man, we just want you to be part of our family. We just want you to show up, have a meal, and hang out with our family. What a gift that is to see somebody doing that for Robbie. Uh, y'all, have been, y'all have been great to Josh, you've been great to Bonnie, you've been great to myself in so many respects in terms of just hospitality and just thinking of us, asking us how we're doing now and again, uh, making sure that we're taken care of. Just recently, w- the church was able to bless uh, Josh and his family in a way that he just, it just was a huge blessing to them. There's ways in which we, we and I, I know you're thinking, well, I don't, I don't know about this. Let me remind you of a passage, the right hand and the left hand ought not be talking about what they're doing, my translation. But you may say, but you're talking. you all have, in a number of instances, uh, when people uh, over the last few months have been suffering, you have done an amazing job of drawing near to them and loving them well, driving them to Charlotte, Uh, making sure their kids were taken care of when they had to go to the hospital. You have shown up and showed out in this regard. Somebody has a kid, they get fed for years. Uh, Not years, but a long time, right? You you all have shown a goodness in a hospitality toward those who have just had a kid or are in a difficult circumstance, and you recognize, you know what? Meals might be hard for this season. You've done an amazing job. You've loved the the kids of our church really well. It's been beautiful to see. I I know we need volunteers, but that's going to be our problem until Jesus comes back. You know when he said, the poor you will have with you always, there was a a part that got lopped off that said, but not volunteers. That's not true, by the way. Don't look that up. But but yes, we're always going to need volunteers. And and, and part of that is because so many of our volunteers have added to the children's ministry. And praise God, right? Praise God that we get to celebrate that, that the Lord is entrusting that talent to us. That is a precious resource. And so, so thank you for those of you who have so faithfully served. We were able to get Sunday school back up and going. I know it was a struggle, but, but, but you helped us. You helped us do that. Many of you aren't even members of our church yet. If, if you're ever going to do that, and, and you still serve and give and do. That is evidence of just God's goodness at work in and through you. You are displaying the fruits of the Spirit. Thank you for those who serve in youth ministry. The Damaris opened up their home for a long time. And, and now they get to rest on Sunday night, praise God for them. And others have opened up their home for, for, so we got that taken care of for high school and middle school. Somebody else has turned to get to be blessed by witnessing what God is doing in our youth group. And God's doing a lot. The, the, the summer leadership project, ch- kids, they're not children, sorry, young adults, they're doing an amazing job. I get to hear them. In fact, they didn't even recognize me in my own office. They thought I was like the porter or the butler or something. Dresden, I was standing right next to Dresden. She was like, Oh, 
But they're, they're seeking to serve. Hearing them talk about how to strategize to serve the, the underfed children at Must Ministries has been a gift to hear. To hear their minds at work, their brilliance, their desire, their heart has just been, it's just been amazing. Uh, and, and, and we could go on the, the session of this church. Like, you guys don't get to see those meetings, and you, it's fine, you don't. We don't have enough chairs or food. But well, y'all need to be doing some work. But laughter's good for the soul, and it's good for the relationship, and it is good that we are bound together in Christ and unified. Uh, we, in our presbytery, have been part of what it looks like when a church isn't. It is ugly. The deacons of the church, so generous, and so generous, and are able to be so generous because you have been so generous yourselves. That is a display of goodness, right? We, our cup has overrun. They, in fact, at times have to go, I think we got to give some of this money away. Who, not, not who needs money, it's not the Oprah show at the deacons meeting. Uh, but, but they're like, who is in need? We've been able to bless Travis Sawyer and Mike Kinnamer and a lot of the folks that we serve through Faith, Faith Promise. We've been able to, to bless many of you who have found yourself in a moment of need. Praise God that we, that is on display here at Christ Community Church. One of the things that's a blessing for me is I stand out in the narthex, what will one day be a narthex that I'll stand in, uh, but, but the lobby, uh, to see how y'all interact with each other. And now if you're, you're hearing me right now and you're thinking, I'm not really experienced a lot of this here. First of all, let me say this. I, I'm sorry. You need to. It's, it's a gift and it's beautiful. And, and you need to maybe join a small group or join one of the men's or women's groups or tell me and we'll figure it out. But to watch y'all to irritate the deacon of the month because he's trying to run us out of the building, that is a good thing. Keep irritating him in a good way. And so it's a beautiful thing to watch how you engage with the children of the church in hospitality. Now, Jack was inciting a small riot in the Leonard family earlier, uh, but it is a beautiful thing to see the people of our church know the names of our children and to care about them and to speak to them and to engage them. That is a gift that we don't want to take for granted. And so, Christ Community Church, I can say, along with Paul, Just so you know, I'm not resigning. I know that kind of feels like well, this is arcing. That's not what's fixing to happen. I know it kind of feels like the, I'm wrapping up the show here. No. And since I teared up, I was like, dang, I wonder how this looks from their perspective. But it is, it is a beautiful thing, as I've been in this passage this week, to think about you and to be able to say, along with Paul, that you, I ain't worried about you. You are filled with goodness. Do you still need Jesus? Yes. Will you mess some stuff up now and again? Absolutely. But if we keep running toward each other and we keep running toward the throne of grace, we will remain filled with goodness. Many of you are filled with knowledge, and you've used that to bless other people. It's such a wonderful thing for somebody to come to me and say, hey, did you hear so-and-so did such-and-such? -and, and it's kind of strange when I look at everything shouldn't run through me. I don't need to know about everything. I am not your all in all. Jesus is. And you are the parts of the body. And you should be able to, as you mature in the faith, be able to minister to one another. You don't need a title to do that. 
You don't need permission to do that. Now, if you start teaching some weird stuff, then I got to show up. But I'm going to do it with grace, and we'll see where we get to. Maybe, maybe sometimes we get lost. We all do. We all get kind of weird stuff in our system. But, but this is such a good thing for a, a minister of the gospel to be able to look out and see how it is played out over and over and over again and just seems to be growing. So thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Keep doing it. Let's keep growing in Jesus. Let's look around and, and, and make sure that no one's being left out of this. Now, some of you maybe keep us at arm's length in some ways. Well, okay, I get that. I'm as cuddly as a porcupine my darn self. But, but I want you to taste and see of the Lord's goodness. I want you to know what we know and what we see. And it is good. Now, I'm going to pause here, and I'm going to read the quote from John Murray because it applies to this part, and I think it's important for us to hear at this juncture. He says, Goodness is the quality which will constrain the strong to refrain from what will injure the weak, and knowledge is the attainment that will correct weakness of faith. The treatment of differences that occurred in 14.1 through 15.13 was not hypothetical. There must have been a situation requiring it, But we must not, and I love that he says this, we must not exaggerate the situation. The church was full of goodness, filled with all knowledge. Thus the believers there were themselves able to instruct and admonish one another. It's easy for us to kind of get get caught up on or focus on only what isn't right and not be able to appreciate how Christ the King, Christ the Bridegroom, makes sure that his bride stays ever beautiful even when we don't see it. And so that's important. So Paul then shifts from there and makes it clear because of whatever division was going on, he says, look, there were some points, but on some points I had, to, I had to be strong with you. I had to speak to you, write to you boldly by way of reminder. Now, he's arguing that because of their goodness, because of their knowledge and ability to instruct each other, it afforded him the ability to speak more strongly to them. You see? So it's in maturity that sometimes we can, we can hear some harder things. Now you may be thinking, well, man, this, this show's fixing to take a hard turn. No, I'm not going to get into what I, I don't think you're doing well because he actually focuses on something very specific. Very specifically, he focuses on the mission. He focuses on the fact that they've done well turning in toward each other. They've gotten to a place where there's a lot of health in that regard but where they're maybe beginning to falter, where maybe some of that discussion of disunity has affected them is in turning outward, is in in seeking to welcome other people into the family. This is always going to be the challenge of the church, is it not? Right? Because how much time does it take for us to build relationships with each other and serve each other? You could fill your calendar just with that. Much less add, oh, and by the way, go meet your neighbors, go invite your neighbors to church. Oh, and by the way, go share the gospel downtown, go share the gospel wherever, right? It can be an all-consuming thing. And this, again, this is where this not being written to an individual becomes super important, right? Because if you are responsible for all of it in miniature, what hope do we have? Whereas, if the church as whole has 
some folks who are really gifted at helping us be united and hospitable within the body, which affords the people who are really gifted and called to focusing outward are healthier and better able to have a nice place to invite people to or a nice community of people to invite people to. That is the gift. Please don't think it all depends on you. The real question is, though, which, which is it that the Lord has called you to? And add that a layer to that, it might be seasonal. There might be a season in which your focus is building within. And then there might be a season in which you are to turn and look outward, right? Sometimes this happens in small groups. I always love when a small group just absolutely refuses to plant. That's a new terminology because the word split comes with too, too much baggage. But you know, like a small group gets to a certain size and it's like, hey, you know, you have the poor Robbie has to come and go, hey, I know y'all love each other and you got a really good thing going, but I need you to break this up for the sake of other people to be able to taste and see that this is good. And you know how it goes. That small group rebels. They slow roll him. They stop returning his calls. They stop taking his text messages. They, you know, they turn the lights out when they see the car in the driveway. Uh, and and, and they, they push against it, and they're like, no, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. But, but there are seasons, there is the necessity at times for us to, to break up what seems to be so beautiful and good because now you've got it. You understand it and now invite some other people into it. That could be from within the church or without. doesn't matter. I don't have any of you in mind, by the way, if you're kind of wondering right now, like, hey, what's coming? That's on Robbie. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but just in case, we need... He's speaking to them strongly about the Abrahamic covenant. He's speaking strongly to them about the mission of God, the whole purpose of the redemptive story. He goes on. He says, I speak to you boldly by way of reminder, and this is beautiful, what, what anchors him. So he, he's able to speak to them boldly because of the grace given to him by God. The grace of salvation no, the grace of his calling, notice what he says, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. Now he's invoking, what's so interesting here is he's invoking an Old Testament position in his calling to the Gentiles. But for the audience he was speaking to, this would have called to mind that he essentially was uh, speaking uh, between uh, God and those who were not saved. He was speaking to God about them, and God was speaking through him to them. And in this priestly service, notice he doesn't mention judgment. He mentions that it was for the purpose of these folks being an acceptable sacrifice, to be sanctified, to become part of the family of God. He is thrilled to be called to this. This is one of the things that I think has been hard post-COVID is seeing so many of my, my friends leave the ministry because they were just worn out. They had just gotten battered and bruised from the 2016 election, the 2020 election, plus COVID overlaid on top. And you may be thinking, well, that just proves they weren't called. Well, that's a hard thing to, to have proven and to not have joy in your calling and ministry. And here's the thing. I, I, I want to commend you again. Through that season, now we, we, we cocked our head and squinted our eyes a little bit, but, but you were good to me. You did not make me uh, at all feel like, I don't think any of us on staff felt like we, we didn't love what we were doing because of the season and because of you. 
So thank you for, even if you didn't hit send on certain emails, thank you. It's okay. Like we, we are still at it and have grown more emboldened in many respects in our calling and are grateful to be able to do it because of the grace of God. And so that is, that is a gift, and it is a gift to Paul that he wants them to recognize how good it is to be on mission with God, how good it is to participate in the things that he's doing in this world. You don't have to do it. You get to do it, and that makes all the difference in the world. Notice as he goes on. He says, in Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. This links back up with he is not ashamed of the gospel. And you may be wondering, pride? How can he be proud of the work that, since, since, since pride is the most obnoxious thing to God, the, that arrogance that we display so often, but, but he, it's what he's uniquely, he's proud of God's willingness to work in and through him. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished. Notice how he orients it. This is about what Christ is doing. This is not us building our brand. This is not us uh, building a following. This is not us building a platform. All of those things sound really important. Think of how many people said, I'm using my platform for God. And then you have the rise and fall of Mars Hill. I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing as an influencer for God. And have it go sideways when the Lord steps in and says, you've got to give something up. Nah, I ain't doing that. I've got too much influence and power. I've got to compromise. As Mark Dever says, every heresy begins with a desire to reach more people. Well, here Paul is saying he's not ashamed of the gospel. He's not willing to compromise on the gospel in any way, shape, or form. And in fact, the only thing he's going to boast of is what Christ has done, not what he has done. And he goes on. That Christ has accomplished through me to bring Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. Notice where he lands. You, we, could, we could hear word and deed and think, ah, oh, now Paul's talking about himself. No, no, no. No, he's talking about what the Spirit has done through him. Remember, he's got a sermon where he like killed Eutychus almost. Bored him so bad he just fell out of window and just wanted to die. I know some of you are thinking, if the air don't kick on here pretty soon, I'm similar. And so, and so he knows it is not, he, he's not an eloquent speaker. And in fact, he knows he writes in run-on sentences. He doesn't even know what an Oxford comma is, for crying out loud. Or even a semicolon, which would be helpful. So he is boasting of what Christ is doing in Trinitarian fashion. Notice, he said it was God's grace, it was Christ through him, according to the Spirit of God. It's the fullness of the Trinity at work in and through him. He says, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. He's saying that he wants to be able to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And then he goes on to say that it is not, he don't want to build on what somebody else has done. Now, a lot of folks have, have misused this, overapplied this passage to somehow suggest that what we are doing here is a waste of time. This, this area is just scorched earth in terms of churches, right? We got church, and we got new churches coming all the time. 
In fact, I sometimes feel the weight of that because I'm thinking, man, if we don't get in a building, somebody's going to pass us on the highway, the superhighway, get a building and do something similar to what we're doing and we're dead. Now, that's a hopeless, faithless thing to think now, isn't it? But it's not to apply to us. Now, we don't want to just rearrange deck chairs on the reform, but we don't want to just, we don't want to do reform swirl, Right? That's not, what we, that's not how we want to grow. We want to grow in terms of, in addition to being able to minister to people, help them grow in their love for God and their love for their neighbors because they've grown in their love, knowing that they have been loved, we want to see people come to Christ. And the Lord has blessed us thoroughly in and through our children's and youth ministry. What I'd love to see, and would you join me in praying for, is some adult conversions. Folks who would come to know Christ despite a life of sin or arrogance or ignorance. That we would see some adult baptisms. You know what that would do for our souls around here? It would bless us. And new believers are awesome because they go, why do y'all do that? That's dumb. And it's good to have to explain it sometimes and realize that sometimes we don't know why we do it. We've just been doing it. And kind of lost in the forest for the trees. And they'll often challenge us to look outward because they oftentimes, like the Samaritan woman at the well, who went running to her friends and family and said, hey, I don't even know if this is the guy, which is strange evangelism, don't you think? But you need to come listen to him because he just might be. And a bunch of people showed up and the kingdom got bigger with Samaritans, which is on the road to Gentiles. And so, Paul here makes it very clear that he wants to reach those who don't know Jesus. And in our context, we're shifting heavy post-Christian. We're going to see a people, a generation or generations, who have no earthly idea what Christmas or Easter means anymore. Who are completely biblically illiterate. And we will need workers to go into the harvest which is why we are gathered, is to help build up those who would go and those who would stay and help, right? So it's both an inward and outward. And so Paul, in quoting from Isaiah 52, 15, is linking back to some things he had said previously, that the scripture is written for your encouragement and to help you to persevere. So in hearing of, of our goodness and our knowledge and ability to care for one another, May we be encouraged to not grow weary in doing good, to persevere because it will get harder and harder, and I don't say that cynically. It's just the nature of things. And so, Christ Community Church, we need to be praying that the Lord would uh, uh, grant us the opportunity to have a generational impact. We are having a generational impact inside but that we would, we would have even more of a, an impact for the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant that, that God promised and he will fulfill even if he uses the stones and the, and, and the rocks and the trees to cry out. Better that we would get to participate so that we get to take joy in. There's such a joy in being able to be a part of seeing someone come to know Christ. As I shared with you last week, I think it was Glenn Taylor who got saved, not just on Susan's Chili, but that started the process. You have no idea how mean that dude was. 
And what a gift it was to hear that he had become the manager of the Brother Brian Rescue Mission in Birmingham, Alabama. And he was working hard uh, for those who were so down and so out, just like he was for so long. And he loved them. And he, he was just, you, you just got to know that he was a witness that was, an, he was an imposing figure. And for him to show any sort of gentleness was just astonishing. And it was such a gift. And I can't wait to see that dude again. We got some stuff to talk about, he and I. And so uh, we want to be able to have that experience because it helps our hope to grow, does it not? And so... Let me ask you a couple of questions. Are you aware of what might injure others in your spheres of influence? See, too often we, we're just not paying attention. And we're not, we're not uh, aware of and, and loving of those in our spheres of influence and oftentimes offend not really on purpose. My, my surrogate brother came down a week or so ago. He, he loves the Civil War. But in a, I know what you're thinking, but he's more kind of union-y, uh, more than confederate but he's this weird mix that makes it complex, okay, because uh, it's about history. And so, so I'm fascinated by people who are fascinated by those things. So I, I've gone with him on a couple of these things. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And so uh, because I don't, it's like I don't really want to be identified with it, but at the same time, I can't stand off and far enough away to still hear. Anyway. We were at Dave Poe's, and there's a big sign in Dave Poe's that says, if you've ever been in there, do not move the tables because we don't want you to scratch up our floors. What do you think these old rascals did right when they walked in because there's 10 of us? Started moving tables, right? And the, the, a young man came out of the back, and he was livid, and he was shaking. He was trying to hold it together. And, uh, and, of course, the battle plans are, like, all laid out on the table for the Battle of Kennesaw Mountain or Cheatham Hill or whatever. I don't know. And so I'm sitting there, and I, I'm looking at him, and he's just quivering with anger. And he, and he, and he just said, hey, uh, would you guys mind, if you ever come in here again, do not move the tables. We've got a big sign. And the guys just looked at him, and they were like, okay. And now back to the war. Uh, and so then he moved the trash can. You know how frustrating? Anybody, any of you worked in food service? Dude, that is like one of the most infuriating things in the world is you can hear the ice just smash and, and liquid go everywhere. Uh, and so he, again, he's just about to lose his mind. And so as these guys left, I, I went up to him. And I said, hey, man, uh, we have frustrated you to no end. And I am, I am so, so sorry. I said, but you know how old guys are that love the Civil War. They can't act right. And he started laughing. And he said, I know, I know. And so I was able to walk out. But now why, am I, why am I telling you that, that story is, did, do you think that those guys went into Dave Poe's, read the sign, and intentionally, now, it's a tough guess. It's a tough guess. But did they intentionally did that? No. They, they actually admitted they didn't see the sign. But they had the opportunity when they had messed up, and they see the kids quiver, his lips quivering. He, he I didn't know if he was going to go murder. I didn't know what he was going to do. Uh, but they had the opportunity to apologize, like really kind of maybe ministered this kid. And they didn't. And even when they were throwing the trash at them, they still didn't. And they really, I mean, that's, you know, he was having a rough day. I don't think it was just us. And so, so there are ways in which we can be unintentional. And part of the problem is we're just not paying attention. 
We're so maybe self-focused or focused on some other things. So what I would say to you is ask the Lord to help you in the power of the Holy Spirit, because this is his job, to help you take better notice of those around you. Things that you say, things that you do, habits that you have, ways in which you are failing to recognize the image of God in someone else. And then an even better question is, are, are you knowledgeable enough about Scripture and associated, the associated faith to be able to edify and instruct others? Are you? Because we ought be. Now, did I just say you've got to know from Genesis to Revelation by memory? No. You don't have to know the Greek or the Hebrew either. But you need to be versed enough in Scripture that the Spirit can use it to the edification and encouragement of other people. And this is where we, we need to not use knowledge to puff up, but instead to give away. We need to be a people who are uh, humbly growing always. I've, I've got a degree in it. I've studied the languages and all that stuff. It is still a great gift to me to spend time studying Scripture. Our Tuesday group is going through the Psalms. It has been, I don't know what they're getting out of it, but it has been amazing for me. Uh, to, to study and pray the Psalms. It, it's such a gift. And it's offered me the opportunity to give it away in ways, uh, a word fitly spoken in due season. And so, so let's be a people who are seeking to grow in God's word because it's going to help us to grow in Christ. Because what does God's word point to? Jesus. And we need to be able to edify and instruct others. Notice what I didn't say. Tell them where they're wrong helps the banquet of riches grow greater. So as we conclude Romans 15, 14 through 21, God calls us to be full of goodness and filled with knowledge to be able to instruct one another in living out the gospel. Let's be a people who are concerned for those things because we are concerned for what God is concerned for, which is his glory, our joy, and the life of the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you. That you are gracious and good, that you have entrusted your glory to earthen vessels such as us, that you have given us a number of opportunities to love and love well. Thank you that we are encouraged by what is currently going on at Christ Community Church in many ways. I pray that others who maybe are not uh, able to taste of those things, that you would draw them closer, that, that you would make us aware of their maybe feeling isolated or cut off or not invited. God, help us to do an even better job of loving each other within the church for the sake of going out on mission for those whom you call to do that, for those whom you gift to engage uh, with, uh, with our, our friends and family and neighbors and our spheres of influence who don't currently know you. God, would you bless our church with, a, with adult conversions? Would you bless our church with the opportunity to see in real time the family get bigger? And may, may those folks add to the goodness and the knowledge that we are to use for the edification and building up of your body, for your glory, our joy, and for the life of the world. In Christ's name, amen.